This is The Faithful Expositor, a podcast from the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Jonathan Sims of Shepherdville Mills Baptist Church. Welcome to another edition of The Faithful Expositor. You know by the sound of my voice not being the host that Brother Joe Carpenter's not here. Brother Don Singleton is with me. <laughs> Amen. And we are here once again, brother, at youth camp. Praise God. Every year we have a little ritual we go through. We look at each other and say, we just can't believe we made it to another one, brother. Amen, brother. Amen. Brother, I think you're going to be 70 years old. Brother, in less than a month, on June 25th, I'll be 70 years old. Brother, you don't look it. I look about 96. No, right brother, you, you look great, brother. <laughs> Thank you, you so much. You look young. We were making fun of you this morning, brother, here at Youth Camp. You got your Hawaiian shirt on <laughs> and your Hawaiian shoes. Compliments of Davey and Nicole. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen, brother. We're so glad you're with us. And, you know, I was on my bike ride yesterday morning just reflecting and thinking and praying and praising the Lord. And, brother, the first camp that I did with you was in 1990. Unbelievable. Center Star Baptist Church. We brought our youth group to uh, your youth camp that year. And it, brother had no idea that it was starting a three years plus decades tradition of doing youth camp together. Unbelievable. Joe, everyone has been great. Everyone's been blessed by God. And I know that I was the same, but the thing that's always amazed me is that every camp, ever done there's been a, a real strong sense of the presence of the spirit of god and that's the most amazing miraculous thing of all of course it's all by his mercy and grace i know you and i both brother have been students of and longers for revival, revival. yes and brother this is a measure of revival every year it's every just year every year very special amen very special it. amen and this year we always try to take a, a doctrinal theme um youth camp is for students um, going into the seventh grade all the way through um, college till yes. they graduate college. Yes. And we try to take some of the grand, rich doctrinal themes, and this year is no exception to that. We're studying the attributes of God. I <laughs> love it. Amen. And every member, almost every member of Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church, adults and students, received a copy of A.W. Pink's book, The Attributes of God, which I think we can both say right here, every Christian needs to Absolutely. read that book. Absolutely, yes, sir. Phenomenal. Yes. And it has 17 attributes. Now, there's 17 billion, and that wouldn't even begin to touch the hem of God's garments of attributes of God that we could talk about. But A.W. Pink probably has maybe touched on some of the more recognizable yes, more familiar more attributes. familiar yes. attributes of god and brother what we did uh, we gave everybody in our church uh, a copy of this book uh, of course the most of the adults purchased it and we asked them to read one attribute a day for 17 days and the 17th day was yesterday so that would lead them right up to youth camp amen so that they would kind of be in step with where our students are. And then you and I have chosen of those 17 attributes, some of the attributes here that we want to preach at at camp. Of course, we don't even have time to do the 17. Right. Um, last night, I introduced the camp with teaching the sovereignty of God. Amen. This morning, you taught the immutability of God. 
And then tonight, uh, I'm going to teach the holiness of God. And so that people will know, today's May the 26th, yes. Thursday, so they know what we're talking about. Um, then tomorrow morning, Friday, you're going to preach on the omnipotence of God, yes. the power of God. And then Friday night, I'm going to preach on the goodness of God. Saturday morning, you're going to dovetail the grace and the mercy of God together in one message, which is very hard to do. And then Saturday night, I'm going to dovetail the wrath of God and the love of God together into one message. So that just kind of lets people know um, what we're doing here this week. Our theme verse is Daniel 11.32. The people that do know their God mm. shall be strong. And um, brother, when we say the attributes of God, what do we mean by attributes? We just mean the descriptions of the character of God, the, the traits of God, if you will. If there was a someone in your family and you were saying, man, he is so, he's such a loving man. He is so gracious and kind and sweet and easy to get along with. You're describing the, attribute, the attributes of that man, his character, his nature, his disposition, his very right. being at the core. And, and the attributes of God are simply the biblical traits of God's very nature and essence and core and being. It's who he is. I guess then it's assumed that people would know this, but some of the things we assume need to be specifically stated. Brother, this would mean that God is a person. Absolutely. He's not a force. Right. He's not, not an ethereal, wispy cloud in the sky, so right. to speak. But God is a, a person, and there's no, I don't know any other way to say it. He's a person whom you can personally know. Yes. Of course, it's Lord and Savior through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the Bible commands us that we must know him. We must know about him to yes. know that we're calling on the right God, the only true and living God. There's a million gods, little g's, but there's only one true person of God, capital G, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Bible is, all six books, a revelation of the nature and person of this triune God. And God has revealed his personage to us in the written scriptures that we define as attributes, things by which we can know him. And you brought that up so rich today in your application of how we can know God and take comfort from knowing him and, and take hope in knowing him. But am I fair to say this brother, that one of the mistakes people make, we need to study the attributes of God. Obviously that's why we've dedicated this camp to it. But I think one of the superficial mistakes that people make, you know, in the days of Israel, there was a season in the life of Israel when the people were committing idolatry, adultery, fornication, drunkenness. And the Lord said in Psalm 50, I kept silent and you thought I was just like you. That's a mistake people make. It's, we need to study the attributes of God to understand that God has some traits and qualities we can relate to. But God is also altogether unlike us in the fact that He's God and there's none like Him. Absolutely. Well, in, in even in the systematic theologies, uh, and all of that would be equally true across the board, but there are what's called the incommunicable attributes of God. Exactly. He doesn't share those with us. Right. We'll never be eternal because right. eternity is no beginning. We had a beginning. Right. And, 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 those, and then there's, the, of course, the communicable attributes of God. 
and but 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 combined, the person of God is, uh, though he has revealed himself in Scripture, is so unlike anyone or anything there's ever been. Would you agree with me that the height of idolatry is when people think God is just like them? It is, and 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 not just that, but just wrong concepts of God. Yes. And brother, the only way is to your point, God's revealed himself personally. Now we see creation, we know there's a supreme being, but that don't tell us anything about what he's like. But God's revealed himself personally in the holy, inspired, and foul and narrative scriptures. Amen. And that's where you find the the true God of heaven and what he's like and his son Christ, the Holy Spirit. And all of our everybody has false concepts of God. And the only thing that will purify your heart and mind to the truth of who God is is through the Holy Word of God, properly studied and applied and, and, and heeded. And, and I think what grieves me today is that for the large part, evangelicalism today is resting upon its imagination oh my. of who God is oh instead of revelation of yes. who God is from the written scriptures. Yeah. And, and so many churches, and I'm not saying that we don't, we, we, we have fellowship with God each and every day, but so much of the charismatic movement, for example, the, you know, you come to church and you get all worked up and you have this quote encounter with God. If you want to encounter God, take your Bible Amen. and open it and start reading and studying the word of God. And that's where you're going to meet the God of heaven. That's where the real depth is, the real growth, the real truth. That's what Daniel's talking about. The people that do know their God shall be strong. Amen. And you quoted a verse of scripture this morning, brother. Uh, it seems to have escaped me right here, but you quoted a verse of scripture from First John, I believe it was, about that we know uh, the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ. John chapter 17, verse 3, when Jesus was on his way to Gethsemane, he was praying that high priestly prayer. Right. And this is the verse that I go to, and, and brother, even though I've, have it memorized. I go back to it and read it over and over again. It's such a powerful verse. And Jesus said, and this is life eternal that, that we might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Amen. And the, the attributes of God is the person of God. And Jesus said, eternal life is to know the only true God and Jesus Christ. So brother, if we don't have the knowledge of the person of God, we can't know him and his son, Jesus Christ, That's which right. is how you're saved and have eternal life. And brother, how many people right now in religions, of course, all cults and isms, in churches that, don't, that aren't doctrinally based, how many billions of people do not know the true God of heaven but have their false concepts and they're, they're going to perish and go to hell? And it's the saddest thing in all the world. I think I alluded to this last year when you joined me here at youth camp and you and I have gone through this system that we go through that right after youth camp is over, we start talking about youth camp next year. And several months ago, you and I met in Northwest Alabama yes. down in the Shoals at a steakhouse and we ate together. And that's when we kind of drew a bead on, we wanted to do the attributes of God. And I'm glad you brought up the John text there because that's kind of what you and I talked about. We talked about introducing these attributes to the students, defining them, explaining them. But then one of the things that the Lord really prompted my heart about was, and we'll flesh this out today as we go along, each of these attributes point to the gospel of Jesus Christ Absolutely. in some form, in some facet. 
Uh, I was just thinking this morning, uh, I'll be preaching tonight on the holiness of God. And God's holiness demands that we be holy as I am holy, saith yes. the Lord, and we're not. Amen. We fall short of the glory of God. And God's absolute standard for us to get to heaven is His holiness. And we'll never achieve that. We can achieve that. So it was achieved for us yes. through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ is the greatest expression of God's holiness. And I might add, the greatest expression of every other attribute. Absolutely. And Jesus Christ, through a vicarious, penal, substitutionary atonement, which he made for us, Christ has made us holy. He has made us righteous. And the only way that we can get to heaven is through the holiness Christ has provided through his sacrifice. So rather than just merely studying arbitrarily the holiness of God, we've looked at these attributes in the way that they show us the gospel and the saving work of God through his son, Jesus Christ. Don't you agree with that? I do. And I've said this before, even preaching, and, and I've not studied it out in detail <clears throat> per se, quote unquote, but Brother, I truly believe, as, as best I understand uh, the Word of God at this point in my life, and I, and I stand to be correct if I'm wrong here. Brother, I believe that every one of God's attributes, every one that's recorded in Holy Scripture, was on full display at the cross. I believe it. And you name me an attribute right now, and I believe I can tell you how that was manifest in the Son of God at Calvary. I agree. And brother, God's omnipotence was there, power to save. Right. His omniscience was there. The wisdom of God's salvation is the cross to That's me right. enthusiasm. But, right. but to us, the wisdom of God. His omnipresence was there. He was there. He came down in judgment, in the darkness of judgment, to pour out his wrath on his son. The wrath of God. And was Christ there. propitiated That's God. Right. And then it was Father again, Father in thy hands, like I'm in my spirit. The love of God was there. His holiness was met. His righteousness was upheld. His justice meted out. His grace, mercy, goodness, kindness manifest. All of that in the person of the Son of God on a hill called Mount Calvary. And brother, I, say to, I, I would say to every believer, you want to see all the attributes of God? Look to the cross. Look to the cross Amen, and see him in the person of the death of the Holy Son of God, Amen, his brother. finished work upon the cross. Well, I didn't give you any advanced um, help on this podcast. In, and I wish people could see us. Uh, we were sitting in two wooden chairs, and I've got a <laughs> no wooden chair in front of me, and you've got a wooden <laughs> chair in front of me. And, you know, we, we have our preaching notes, and it's just kind of a mess. And I haven't prompted you or preempted this and so i know you're just shooting from you know the hip here so to speak but moving into the attributes that we're preaching about here this week um i was going to ask you this question brother last night i preached on the sovereignty of god specifically the sovereignty of god and salvation yes as it related in acts 8 26 through 40 to philip's encounter divine encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch. I'll just throw a general question out here to you, brother. When you think about the sovereignty of God, specifically the sovereignty of God and salvation, what stood out to you in that message I preached last night about God's sovereignty on display? Well, brother, I, I, and I'm, not, I'm not just saying this, but you have to think about five points. And brother, i got to be honest with you. Every major point you had in that message, flashing neon lights to me, every single one of them, Sovereign over the servant, sovereign over the sinner, 
over the scriptures. Over the scriptures. That 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 eunuch had bought that scroll of Isaiah, which you told us was very expensive, and it was hard for people. Most people couldn't afford to buy that. And he had bought that in Jerusalem and was reading it, and and God had him at, at Isaiah fifty three. Right. Maybe if one thing sticks out more than the others, and and and, and at, th at that very time God brought Philip there to catch that chariot, which would take supernatural speed running, by the way, and caught that chariot. And and and, and do you understand what you're reading? How can I accept some man guide me? And he and he, and, he, and he was in the scriptures there in Isaiah fifty three. The one of the two great chapters in the Old Testament about the cross, Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53. And brother, you took Isaiah 53, all 12 verses, and just ran the, 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 the humanity of Christ, uh, the sufferings of Christ, the death of Christ, the burial of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. That last verse would include the, those uh, God sharing his bounty, Christ sharing his bounty, would include the resurrection, the ascension, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, right. and, and, and the second coming, all there. And, 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 and that God, that's where God had him in the scriptures. And brother, that was just, <laughs> I was about to come unglued when he was preaching that. Well, I think it. That's what God used to save sinners in his sovereignty. And it restates what we said earlier that each of these attributes point us to the person and the work of yes. Jesus on the cross Absolutely. as a substitutionary atonement for our sins. Yes. Well, today you preached on the immutability of God just about an hour, hour and a half ago, or two hours ago. And you started out with Malachi 3, 6, I am the Lord, I change not. And you also reminded us what Christ said or was said of Christ in Hebrews. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, yes. today, and forever. and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. And one of the things you said, brother, of course, you gave a great definition of immutability that Christ, the Father, the Spirit, never changes. The Lord is changeless. You you use the image that the Old Testament uses all the time of a rock. Yes. And the waves on the sea line crashing into those rocks. And for all of their fury, that rock is unmoved and unchanged. But you used a word, brother, that I want us to talk about for just a moment. You said in your definition of immutability that God is non-evolving. Yes. And brother, I love that. And by very nature of the fact that God is God, he can't learn anything. He cannot. He can't change. He can't improve. He can't involve. He can't be better. He's not growing. That's right. Amen. <laughs> Explain that to me, brother. Why is that important? Well, brother, because that's what makes God so, that makes God who he is. Right. But the fact that God does not evolve, grow, get better, smarter, wiser, whatever the case may be, and it doesn't get any worse because he's perfect, of course. Right. That just because God is immutable, therefore we can trust him. He is that he is that unchanging rock. I think it's I think it's Deuteronomy thirty two, verse five, he is our rock. Rock. And then you know Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew seven, twenty four through twenty seven said there's two kind of builders. You build your your life, your house on the rock, and when the storms and the winds and the rains come, it stands. But if you build your house on sinking sand, it will fall. And brother, the only unsinking foundation in all of life is the unchanging, immutable, triune God of heaven, Amen. which compels us. And tells us we can trust him, yeah. that, that we can build our lives upon him, and he be, as the psalmist said, the rock of our salvation. I think you had three points, the explanation of immutability, the application, 
and the revelation. Yes. And under your explanation, you pointed to Moses' encounter with God at the burning bush when God revealed his name. Yes. Which had never been revealed before. Yes. Yahweh. Yes. I am. And you related that to the I am great I am statements of Jesus Christ in, in the Gospels. And you pointed out the fact that when God said, I am, uh, brother, that, that speaks of God's immutability, not I am becoming or uh, I was, meaning now I'm something I didn't used to be, but simply God, it might not be good grammar, but it's good theology. God said, I am. Yes. And Yahweh, it means to be, to not, be. not becoming, right. to be, or you could, translate God, you could translate it God is. Right. And bro, it's that it's the word, the, uh, the the title of God, I am that I am, that speaks of God's unchanging nature, right? His unchanging will, by yes. extension, His unchanging promises. But God is unchanging because He said, "It's not what you know. I'm not what I used to be." Or He didn't say, "I'm not what I'm going to be." He said, "I am what I am." Yeah. He is, and so of course that I am was spoken by Christ. Ego I me in the Greek 23 times in the Gospel of John and seven times with metaphors describing him as deity, unchanging deity in his relationship of how he saves us. I am the bread of life, John 6, 35, the light of the world, John 8, 12, the door of the sheep, John 10, 7, the good shepherd, John 10, 11, the resurrection of life, John 11, 25, the way, the truth, the life, John 14, 6, and the true vine in John 15, 1. Speaking of Christ's deity and speaking of Christ's Immutability, and of course, in John 18, when they came to arrest Jesus, and he said, who you're looking for? They said, Jesus. He said, I am he, the King James says, but he's in italics. It's not there in the original language. Right. Jesus said, I am God, and they all fell backwards to their knees before deity, before the unchanging, immutable nature of the King of Kings, as you preached on last night, and the Lord of Lords, the blessed and only potentate, the Lord Jesus Christ, God of every God, God in his unchanging nature, in the title and name to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus, when he, when Moses said, "When I tell Pharaoh, let your people go," and you, that God sent me, who, who am I going to tell him? What's your name? He said, "God said, you tell them my name. It's I am that I am that I'm the unchanging, eternal God." Praise of the Lord. Makes me want to shout right now. You know, brother, in your application, you I told you I think this is one of the best messages I've ever heard you preach, brother. And we've been together for a long time, but your application was just an anchor to my soul and you know brother we live in a world that's ever changing uh people change from gender you know from a male to a female and female mm. to a male and then back and forth and then yes. back and forth again and morals change and mores change and laws change and society changes but brother under your application you said the application of God's immutability is that, brother, we can trust the Lord. Yes. We can put our confidence in the Lord. And when we pray to God, we can pray in confidence because we know he's not fickle. God doesn't throw temper tantrums and, you know, uh, he's, he's, he doesn't huff and puff and use guilt and, 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 and you know, uh, all kinds of human, you know, frailties to respond to us. Our God is a rock. Yes. Our God is an anchor. Yes, you can trust Him. You can uh, believe the Word of God. You can be comforted by Him. You can pray to Him. Those are my four applications. Yes. And brother, it's all based upon the unchanging nature of God. And if we're praying, God has promised to do certain things in prayer. And we go to Him in prayer, but God's changed. Mm. Changed His mind, changed His ways. And we're, we're sunk. We couldn't even pray. 
if God was mutable and the, the and the, the key to it all is that man is fickle, yes, changing, yes, wavering, like sand, not like a rock. Moment by moment. Moment by moment, brother. Everything in life the only constant in life is that everything's always changing. Yeah. But God is the only unchanging person. That means we can trust him to be saved and to follow him, build our life upon his word, be comforted by him. I'll never leave you to forsake you. God said that. Well, brother, either God's going to always be there or God lied and he cannot lie. He's not right. a man that he could lie. Well, your last point was revelation. Yes. And you talked about since God is immutable, um, our salvation can't change. Amen. And you brought out, you know, the, you didn't specifically state it this way, but it would be the doctrine of eternal security. I know David Miller loves to call it preservation. Yes. And yes, that because too. God is immutable, brother, our salvation is going to be preserved. It's going to be reserved for us in the heavens forever. Yes, what First Peter 1 says. And that's what, you know, Philippians 1, 6, Paul said, being confident of this one thing. Right. That he which has begun a good work will perform complete it, it perform yeah. it. Teleo uh, in the Greek, I believe right. it is, to the day of Jesus Christ, which is the day of the rapture. Right. And so when God saves someone through the blood of Jesus, he has entered a blood covenant with his son to save that person by grace and to keep them in that saving grace for all of eternity. It is the preserving power of God and the persevering power of God. But, brother, it's because he's the immutable, unchanging God. That's what God said he would do. And God is never going to change his mind about that or his character about that. Brother, just a little footnote. How in the world could an Armenian with integrity say that he believes in the immutability of God? Well, brother, <laughs> he couldn't. So There's just, just no way. Long story short. No, it's, 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 a, it's a complete total contradiction of terms. With them, it's God loves me, loves me not. Yes. I'm yes. saved, I'm not saved. There's the, the comfort here, and of course I was going nine to nothing to get the whole message in this morning. But, brother, that comfort thing, I mean, that's worthy it's of an hour-long sermon right it there is. for the child of God. It is. And, brother, I, and, and I know you do this in your walk with God, and I strive to do it in mine. But, brother, these attributes are things that we pray over and meditate on in prayer all the and time. thank God for. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many, I don't know how many times in prayer with, with tears in my eyes, thanking God that because he's who he is, mm -hmm. I'm not just saved, I'm still saved. Amen, brother. And I'm going to be saved for all of eternity. And brother, because my Lord and Savior, my God, is an immutable, unchanging God, and he has promised to save those who repent and confess him as Lord and Savior. And brother, he keeps his promises. Well, I know we've spent a lot of time just on this one attribute, yes. and I do want to move forward, but I think it's important for me to say this just as a let me do a little bit of apologetics here, if we could, because I know there's those, and liberals have always done this that say, well, you know, uh, the Lord said, um, it repented me that I made man, you know, in Genesis 6, 6, and um you also quoted the text in Jonah where yes. Lord's, the Lord said a similar thing. And um, what do you do, brother, with those theologians, if they call themselves that, that would say, yeah, but right here's a text where it says the Lord repented or the Lord changed his mind. Brother, simply God speaking in human terms, in his relationships with people. Right. But his character didn't change. His essence didn't change. His will didn't change. It's just God speaking to us in a way that we can understand how he acts. 
And so uh, anthropomorphism is what it's called. It means ascribing something human to God in a way to understand him. And uh, the verses I quoted were, you know, the uh, uh, verses that talk about the eyes of the Lord running to and fro, I think it's in First Chronicles 16. And Isaiah, I think it's 59 verse 1, talks about the, the ear of the Lord is not heavy that he cannot hear, his arm is not short that he cannot save. And brother, but brother, God is spirit, John 4, 24. And they that worship God must worship in spirit and truth. And God doesn't have eyes, but he can see. He doesn't have, he doesn't have a, an arm, but he's mighty to save. He doesn't, he doesn't have a, an ear, but he can hear everything that you're saying. And so these are just human terms ascribed to God in a way that we can better understand God. Right. So when the Spirit of God was writing the Bible, that's what he did. He said it in a way that we would understand God. And when God said he, he, he repented of the evil he was going to do to Nineveh, and he didn't destroy them uh, when they got in sackcloth and ashes and repented at Jonah's message and, 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 and believed in God and trusted him to save them. And so uh, God didn't change his mind because God has an unalterable decree from the foundation of the world. And, and exactly what God decreed is what happened. But in human language, we ascribe that God was going to destroy them, but he didn't destroy them. But all along in his predetermined counsels from eternity past and decrees, God was not going to destroy them, but he knew he was going to save them. But he describes that, he describes that in a human way, using human terms by the Spirit of God so that we can understand but, the, the, but, all, but all things that are done are done by God's, uh, even the changing seemingly that people think of, all that is, within the, is, is, is preceded by the predetermined counsel and foreknowledge of God. And it's our human struggle, brother, that we live and operate within a language that's not perfect. Yes, and, yes. with and, finite and minds we have finite, and finite language. We have finite minds with finite minds. serve an infinite God. And how else could an infinite holy God reveal himself to base creatures like us, you know. Right. Um, and, and the systematic yes. study of Scripture, brother, exposition, yep. will teach you the immutability All of God of and teach you that these few passages, and there's, there's a handful, right. is anthropomorphic language right. that God is using, condescending, condescending to men of low estate. To us yep. in our poor state to, so, to help us better understand right. him. Yeah, that's what that is. That's that's right. That's helpful, by the yes. way. Yes, Amen. Well, brother, tonight I'll be preaching on the holiness of God. Amen. I can go ahead and let the cat out of the bag a little bit here because by the time people listen to this, it'll be past. And this is going to sound strange to you, brother, but similar to last night, my text is going to be Psalm twenty-two. Wow. And uh, I'm going to preach the holiness of God from that great messianic crucifixion psalm. And I look forward to preaching that tonight. Would you agree with me? Could it could it be said that holiness is the chief attribute of God? Well, I believe in a sense it could. I believe the Bible describes the holiness of God in a preeminent way, and and even a chief attribute, as you said. And brother, here's what I know: I know that in the new, in in the Word of God, once in the Old Testament, and once in the New Testament, God pulled back the curtain. Yes. And let man look just for a moment. Second, yeah. In Isaiah six, yes. And when he pulled back in the year that King Uzziah died, and God pulled back that curtain, what 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 did Isaiah say? Holy, 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 holy. Yeah. Lord God Almighty, and the whole earth and the whole temple shook from the holiness of God. And those seraphim, eyes covered, feet covered, hands covered, uh, unbelievable. And then in the Book of Revelation, chapter, chapter four, yeah. 
and chapter one yes, for that matter. Yes, yeah. yes. And the, the, remember the four living creatures yes, yeah. cry out, holy, 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 from him which was and which is and which is to come and so forth. So, brother, the holiness of God is such a preeminent attribute. I mean, they're all preeminent in, in a sense, to be sure, because uh, God is holy, all of his attributes, but certainly the Bible puts a, an emphasis on the holiness of God. I don't know if I pronounce it right, but uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, Kadosh and um, Hagios in the, yes, in the Greek, Greek yes. means completely pure. Yes. And, and brother, we, we, we struggle to even come up with words to explain this, but clean, untainted, unsullied. God is everything pure yes. and right and uncontaminated. Yes. And here's the relation between holiness and the gospel. That, if I said nothing else, would indicate to you right up front man's problem. We're not clean. We're not uncontaminated. We're impure and dirty and sinful and wretched and fallen. And in the book of Revelation, the apostle John reveals that when it comes to heaven and the kingdom of God, Nothing defiled wow. or abominable yes. or makes a lie is going to be allowed into God's presence. Wow. Well, that's all of us. Yes, God's holiness is our worst enemy mm -hmm. in that God's holiness demands that anything that offends him is destroyed. And the great question of the gospel, the great gospel scheme, if you will, would be the answer to this question. How can God, who is absolutely holy, declare man, who is a sinner, holy, and still himself remain holy? That's the great question of the Scriptures. And the answer, of course, is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That God himself became made in the likeness of man and found in fashion as a man humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Yes. And Jesus Christ has taken us and he became our sin. And that's that Isaiah text. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And so God's holiness uh, is what will consume and destroy all lost people mm. in the end when they come into the presence of a God they've devalued, oh that they thought's just like them, that they've blasphemed, that they've hurled insults at. Brother, the shock the absolute shock of lost people when they finally see holy, holy, holy. Brother, it's incredible. I think the great description of that, Brother John O, would be uh, Revelation 20, 11 through 15, the great white throne. Amen. And I saw uh, uh, him that sat on the great white throne, and heaven and earth fled, and there was found no more place for them. And Brother John MacArthur says that, 
about that passage in the second Peter three passage when he destroys heaven and earth, that God will uncreate the world by one glimpse of his holiness yes. on that great white throne. Amen. And it will obliterate all of God's creation. Yeah. Stained by sin. Yeah. And yeah. sinners. Yes. And sinners. Yeah. Alike. Brother, humanity is not suited to stand in the presence of holy God. Mm-mm. Without a without an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who is the propitiation for our sins, we would be completely and totally obliterated one second in the holiness of God. That's what I love about the, the, all of Paul's writings, brother, the righteous of God. That's right. We're dressed in his imputed righteousness. That's right. The clothes of Christ. Amen. Brother, uh, you will be preaching on Friday morning the omnipotence of God, I think, in... Uh, Pink's book, he calls it the power of God. Yes. And um, Psalm 62, 11 says, Power belongeth unto our God. When Jesus was ascended back to heaven, Mark talks about Jesus is seated at the right hand of power. <laughs> I wanted to read a quote from Stephen Sharnock, a uh, great reformer. Yes. Let me take just a second to yes. read this, brother. He says, the power of God is that ability and strength whereby he can bring to pass whatever he pleases. Whatsoever his infinite wisdom may direct and whatsoever the infinite purity of his will may resolve. As holiness is the beauty of all God's attributes, so power is that which gives life and action to all of the perfections of the divine nature. How vain would be the eternal counsels if power did not step in and execute them. Without power, his mercy would be but feeble pity. His power, excuse me, his promises would be an empty sound. His threatenings a a mere scarecrow. Wow. God's power, like himself, is infinite, eternal, and incomprehensible. God's power can neither be checked, restrained, nor frustrated by the creature, Stephen Sharnock, end of quote. Brother, when you think about it, every other attribute of God is backed up by the fact that God is almighty. It's unbelievable. I've got that. that, I wish I had the whole quote in my message tomorrow, but I've got that last sentence in Sharnock in my message to quote. Wow. Cannot be, his powers unlimited, cannot be checked or restrained by any creature. And, uh, uh, Brother, that is so that is so incredible and mind-boggling. And the thing, when I was studying on the power of God, that I learned as I studied this time again, you always learn more and more, how that the power of God, omnipotence, and the will of God, brother, interlinked. And you know how repentance and faith are the heads and tails of a coin? Yes. Well, brother, the omnipotence of God and the will of God are the heads and tails of a coin. God, uh, if, if I understand... Uh, the systematic theologies that I respect, MacArthur and others write, that God has unlimited power, but what he uses his power for, quote unquote, is to execute his will. Absolutely. And what you said in that quote. And brother, if God couldn't execute his will, and I'm going, and I'm tipping my hand for tomorrow morning already, but brother, I'm going to say this deals a death blow to Arminianism. Yeah. 
and their belief that God's trying to save people, but that but but they don't get saved. But He wants to save them. He's trying to save them, but they don't get saved because of free will. And brother, the omnipotence of God and the execution of God, His power to execute His will, is a death blow. Amen. To that theology. You know, I'm going verse by verse through the book of Revelation, and I just completed uh, Revelation ch chapter 12, and you have that war in heaven between Michael and Satan and the demons, and um, people don't understand that Satan fell in Ezekiel and Isaiah, but he wasn't cast down until Revelation chapter 12, and that's when all of heaven breaks forth in praise to God because the accuser of the brethren is cast down who accused them night and day before the throne of God. And here's the statement, brother. If there, if there were any force in this universe great enough to usurp God and overthrow God, it would happen this very second. It would happen right now. If there was a force powerful enough to overcome the Almighty... That would be God. That's so good. But the power of God, brother, keeps everything in check. Yes. God, he is God, and beside him there is none other. And I would say, brother, that you know what's second only to the Father and the Son and the Spirit, second only to perhaps an archangel like, like Michael, uh, an angel like Gabriel, Satan would be the most powerful being beyond the Father and the, and the holy angels. And Satan tried to overthrow the Father, tried to storm the throne of God, tried to usurp God and His power and authority, and was immediately um, subjugated, defeated, and finally and fully cast out of heaven. And um, so the, the power of God is the force behind all these other attributes. Yes, it is. And to execute His will, to carry out His plan, and all of his mercy, grace, and so forth, as you just said. Omnipotence. Oh, my. You can't even. It's just mind-boggling to even think about it. You know, we're going to teach on Friday night. I'll be teaching on the goodness of God. And again, brother, I'm just, I'm just trying to hit a few high points. Um, but I just made this statement to you yesterday, and me and you chewed it up and, and ruminated on it a little bit. I want to throw it out here, and then we'll talk about it. But here's the statement I want to make about the goodness of God. God does not do what is good. What God does is good. good. And, and here's what we mean by that. God cannot be defined by some external measure of goodness. God is good. So everything that emanates and comes forth from him is the standard. Yes. And that goes back to that Psalm 50 thing of the world thinking that God is just like them. Our world holds up its morphed and perverted and depraved systems of good, and they want to reflect that over on God and tell God what, God, what He can and cannot do. But they're going to be shocked to discover at the end, it's not their standards of goodness that define what good is. God Himself is the standard he brother he is the standard of goodness uh, he is the standard of righteousness god didn't do something because it's right it's right because god did right and it emanated from his own nature thus god himself i'm talking about the person yeah will be the standard by which every human being who's ever been born will be measured and brother all have sinned yeah and come short of that glory of god
And brother, let's be honest. Uh, there's some things that I can't do because I'm not God. If I tried to do some of the things that God in his holiness and righteousness does, I couldn't, I don't possess the moral perfection God does. For instance, vengeance. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. God can perfectly carry out vengeance and it be good. I can't because it's revenge and it flows out of a heart of hatred and strife from me. But God can God can carry out vengeance and it be completely holy. Yes. Our world would scowl at that. Our world would recoil at a God that executes vengeance upon his adversaries. Brother, that's, that's so well said. You're exactly, you're 100% right. Amen. You know, this might be a shocker to some people, but, you know, I'm doing the read through the Bible, and I love to do that because it gives me a panoramic view of the Bible. But when Moses died and Joshua became the, the you know, the leader of the armies of Israel, they crossed the Jordan River. And, brother, God gives them instructions when they enter some of these uh, Canaanite cities to completely destroy the city, burn it to the ground, and that was men, women, and children. And that's a good edict. That's a good command from God. God can issue that command to his people and them carry it out and it be good and just and holy because it flows from God. I can't do that and it be holy and just because I'm a Amen. sinner and I'm fallen. Amen. God's establishing his covenant nation. He's est establishing the righteousness of his people, Israel, and he doesn't want them polluted with the nations around them. And he warned them again and again and again. But our world doesn't have stomach for that kind of God. Now, they reject that kind of God. But, brother. Every, it's the God of Israel. But it's the God of the Word of God. That's, that's right. It is. And that's that's right. the God that you're going to have to deal with on Judgment Day. Which is why we need to study the attributes and make sure that we don't have a God that we've made in our image. A figment of our own imagination. A figment of our own imagination. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yes. Well, brother, you're going to dovetail on Saturday the grace and mercy of God. Why have we included these two attributes together? Brother, it's hard to talk. I don't believe you can talk about grace and not end up talking about mercy and vice versa. They, they overlap, don't I they? I just call them kiss and cousin. I say that right. reverently. They, right. they, they do overlap. And Brother Grace, God's unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor, uh, in particular in relationship to salvation. And Brother Mercy, Elias of the Greek, it means the compassion and pity of God's heart toward the misery of the state of the sinner. And so, though God is holy, as we just mentioned, he hates sin, he's righteous, but, God is hard as, but God's heart is moved with compassion toward the sinner and with his mercy. And so, he, and so he bestows upon the sinner unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor, right. salvation into the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, brother, you can't separate really Grace for by grace you save through faith, you know, Ephesians two, eight, nine, and then that Titus uh, three, four through seven passage, according to his mercy he saved us by the washing regeneration, renewing of the Holy Spirit. And so, brother, we're saved by grace through faith, we're saved by the mercy of God, God's undeserved favor, and God's pity and compassion is what drives the heart of God to want to do what it takes to save lost sinners, which is to send his son to die on the cross to save us from our sins. And two, on that same day, that evening, I'll be combining the love of God and the wrath of God because similarly, 
you can't have one without the other. And I think that's one of the things our world doesn't understand. When you try to create a God of only love, you come up with the God of the nations. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and that's what our world is trying to do today is to create a God that's and and there and by the way they have a very perverted view of what love is but a god who winks at sin a god who never punishes sins a god that would never send anybody to hell and brother i just want to tell you 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 cannot you cannot with balance preach on the love of god without mentioning the wrath of god Amen. otherwise love becomes just mushy sentimentalism it just becomes a, a human emotion and uh, so i'll be Preaching from the book of Romans, uh, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, wow. Romans 1.18. And then he goes on to talk about in that verse about how men are suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. And that's the day and the age in which we live. Men yes. are suppressing the truth. But it's very clear that God is going to have wrath. His wrath has been revealed from heaven. It's coming. Yes. You know, there's two words for wrath, thumos, which can just mean a violent outburst. And we see that in men so many times. Men just, you've talked about a hot-tempered guy that just blew, yes. he just blew up. But the word for wrath here is not thumos, it's it's orge, yes. which speaks of a controlled, one brother said it's like a bringing a, a, a kettle of water to a slow boil. Yes. Another brother talked about the, 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 the waters behind a dam backing up slowly until that dam breaks and then those waters uh, come forward. And, you know, the, the wrath of God can be dovetailed with the patience of God, the forbearance of God, the long-suffering of God, brother, that, that when you think about LGBTQ, when you think about gender total you know, depravity and confusion, when you look at drug abuse in our country the spirit of murder in this country mm. right now like we just talked about in the texas town you know uh, now 18 19 students and two teachers shot dead by a man that i believe is demon possessed yes. and, and you and you just look at at the wickedness and the perversion and as horrible as, that, as it is brother the patience of god patiently holding back patiently holding back that wrath from from that dam breaking and boiling over it's it's a like you said, it's a loving a gracious and a merciful thing that god does to with to to, to hold back but that's not going to last forever yes there's coming a day brother when the wrath of god is going to be poured out as revelation says without mixture in the cup of his indignation and men are going to come under the judgment of god which brings us to the love of god the greatest manifestation of God's love was when he poured out his wrath on his son yes. in our place Amen. as a substitute yes. on the cross. Preach. That's where justice and mercy kissed each other. Man. That, that's Amen. where wrath and love met was on the cross of Calvary, you, brothers. Jesus. And Jesus Christ, as the old hymn says, paid it all. All, all to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He, he washed, washed it white as snow. Thank God for Jesus Praise Christ, for brother. Jesus. Amen. Amen, brother. The love that of God. So awesome. And brother, that just reminds me that uh, I didn't have a chance to do it today for time's sake, but I had a few opening remarks about the attributes of God. Brother, what you're talking about there, the cross, that the attributes of God are not to be pitted against each other. God is wholly wrathful, 
God is holy love. And they're, and they're not. There's no inconsistency. There's no, there's no disharmony. Exactly. Within the being of God. Right. And we can't isolate the attributes. You, you can't just like some people, like you're talking about, of course, obviously the world has a perverted view of love. But brother, if there's any attribute of God they want to talk about, though not rightly defined, it's, it's, it's that one to the exclusion of all others. But you cannot isolate God's attributes. They're harmonious. And you can't talk about one without talking about a multiplicity of others. Like when you talk about the wrath of God being held back, the patience of God and the forbearance of God and the kindness of God. So see, you're, you're running off a score of God's attributes in describing him withholding his wrath until mm-hmm. the damn breaks. That's right. So that's amazing uh, way to close the whole study here about how wrath and love go hand in hand at the cross and the person of Christ. Well, I know we don't have time, and I know this may sound strange, but for me, obviously they're all wonderful, but and we're not even going to address it. But first of all, everyone should get A.W. Pink's book, The Attributes of God. Yes. Each chapter on each attribute is probably only three pages mm-hmm. at the most. He's succinct. He's to the point, but it's powerful. Yes. But of all the attributes that I read, for me, the one that just seemed to bless my heart the most, because I've studied him many times, was his chapter on the patience of God. Wow. It was just, when you think about, God in his perfection and seeing our sinfulness, and yet he's patient and long-suffering and forbearing. Boy, it just endears me to my father that he, he is so loving and good and kind. And all these attributes, they all go together, you know. Uh, so, well, brother, it's 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 joy to be with you once again at youth camp. And I pray that God in his grace might let us sit in these chairs next year, I hope. Amen. And come back together, and uh, what a great opportunity to be with these kids for a week. You know, we don't let them bring cell phones. We don't let them bring uh, devices by which they can be on social media. It's a week where they're separated from all of that stuff, all the noise, and just uh, turn their attention toward the Lord. And we've seen this bear fruit through three decades, and I pray the Lord lets us do it. Uh, many, many more years, brother. Man, I appreciate it, brother. Privilege to come preach with you, my dearest friend in the whole world. And to do this podcast last year and this year, what an honor. What a privilege. And I, I'm so grateful to the Lord for that in Jesus' name. Last year, after we did our theology about how to do a youth camp right. podcast, Brother Randall Palmore, our dear friend, both of us, our dear friends, called, brother. He was all fired up. Yeah. <laughs> he was on cloud nine about that podcast and things we said last year. So praise the Lord forever. You know, we, you and I haven't had a chance to say this together. I think it would be a good way to, to sign off here. But, brother, what a joy and an honor and a privilege it is that you and I have together to serve in the Anchored in Truth family. Yes. And Amen. And to, to be with like-minded brothers that, God. that are striving imperfectly to see their churches be biblically healthy churches. I had a phone conversation with a guy on the way down here just going through a lot of turmoil in his church. And I had the privilege of telling him about Anchored in Truth and that he could find some brothers that are like-minded and like-hearted that are actually applying God's Word in their church, that he he's not crazy, that, that there are men out there that are fighting the same fight that he's fighting. And I would just challenge anybody listening that, man, if you need fellowship, if you need brothers to help affirm you and your stand on the Word of God in the local church, check us out. Check out the Anchored in Truth family. You can just Google that and and find out what we're about. 
And I'm thankful for y'all's partnership, too, in Anchored in Truth at your church, brother. Absolutely, brother. We thank God for Anchored in Truth and Brother Steve and Brother Jeff and Brother Matt. And just pray them guys just keep on keeping on. Amen, brother. Amen. Thank you for being with us, brother. Thank you. We love you. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Faithful Expositor. For more information on Brother Jono's ministry, go to our church website, smbconline.com, and follow him on Twitter at Jono Sims.